Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, emotion regulation, resilience. I am in my trauma series, and today I want to talk about the intricate relationship between trauma and attachment. It's such an important topic, especially since you know trauma doesn't only affect the one person's ability to regulate and function and to cope with challenges. It impairs their emotional connection with others, which is all about attachment. But I, I do want to put one major warning out there in all of the work that I do. It doesn't matter if it's anxiety, emotion regulation, or even trauma. I'm always seeing major traps. I have a whole training just on the traps we adults fall into, whether we're parents or teachers or um uh, counselors, psychologists, we fall into this. And I see, for example, parents getting sucked into worrying about, I'm going to disrupt my child's attachment with me. And this can get really tricky. And so I see so many parents and even, like I said, professionals who are walking on eggshells all the time because they don't want to create any emotional upset, but how are kids ever going to learn to cope? So, you know, I'm emphasizing the fact that yes, absolutely. Relationships are so important. And especially when we're working with anxiety and trauma and traumas, they're interpersonal in nature. So we absolutely have to make sure that our kids are feeling safe with us. But the problem is when we're focusing on attachment in the wrong way. And that's why I wanted to bring that up where we start becoming overprotective at the wrong times. That's what's impairing our kiddos' brain development. That's what's impairing their growth, their resilience, um, their ability to cope with, you know, everything that's going on in their life, just everyday trauma. And that's even more so with trauma. So I think that that's really important. And we do have research showing that overprotective parenting can result in more uh, challenges with brain development, more brain development impairments than kiddos who had a lot of early traumatic experiences in their life. So we got to be careful with this. Protecting our attachment doesn't mean that we're letting our kids never feel any emotions ever again. We're not, it doesn't mean that we're letting them escape and avoid any discomfort or any situation that they might feel big emotions, right? That's not realistic. So yes, we're going to allow our kids the opportunities to stretch. They need to learn to cope. Okay. So I think that that's really important. And, and, and one of the reasons why I brought this all up is because, you know, it goes back to that attachment, that attachment piece, because I know a lot of parents also feel a lot of guilt. So on the one hand, they might be overprotective, right? Not wanting to create any discomfort, not ensuring that their kids are always happy and never triggered. But then sometimes we lose our cool and maybe we disrupt that attachment, right? We have cause a rift in our relationship and then we start beating ourselves up. And, and I think that that's important to mention that as well. It's okay if we cause a, a rift in that relationship with our kids sometimes. The key piece to that though, right, is being able to follow up, right? But when we're looking at trauma and our kids' ability to regulate, a key piece in all of that really is our success as caregivers, as parents, how well we are doing, 
I'm always talking about that, right? Because it's usually our own anxiety as parents, our own traumas as parents that get in the way with how we interact and respond to our kiddos. And then we can pass all of that on to our kiddos. And that's why we see this intergenerational, transgeneration trauma happening, right? Because we're falling into these same patterns. Any dysregulated caregiver is going to affect a a kiddo, whether that kiddo is going to be hyper or hypo aroused. So that's really important. But here's the thing. Like I said, we all get upset, even with our kids, even with our kiddos who've maybe had some trauma in their life. We all escalate in our own stress. And of course, that's going to escalate our kiddos stress, but ruptures happen and and it's really normal. So when we look at that emotion regulation and co-regulation, that's really what a lot of this is about. It's not that we're always in perfect harmony with our children. And I think that that's important to remember. There's going to be disruptions, but when they happen, like I said, we have to ensure we're repairing things later on. That's helping our kids learn that well, first of all, they can learn to tolerate that negative affect, a little bit of conflict, right? That came up in that situation, right? So it's being able to have that ruptured experience, being able to tolerate it, and we're repairing it on the other side. And so as long as we're repairing it on the other side, there is an opportunity for growth here. And when we can do that, they're not going to go into sort of the maladaptive defense behaviors or dissociate that we often see. But I do want to say, as well, we can't always be disrupting the relationship every every day. We can never be okay or flippant, you know, with the rupture and being like, okay, this is great learning, right? If every single one of our interactions that we have with our kiddos is negative and we're we're disrupting it, and we just think, oh, it's okay, I'll just say sorry later. It's not okay. Okay, we have to definitely have way more times where we're effectively co-regulating with them and validating and acknowledging and supporting them. Even the positive feedback, right? 15 positive interactions to every one corrective feedback that we're going to be giving. We are human. We do make some mistakes, but we need to be intentional that not every interaction is, you know, a mistake or or causing some of those rifts. So I just want to put that out there because we definitely still need to learn to regulate our emotions. We need to make sure we're being very empathetic um, and able to validate and listen to our kiddos and, and no matter how stressed we're feeling, right? So we need to make sure we're able to do that. But in those exceptional times where we do slip up, then that's where, you know, as long as we're repairing it, but let's, let's dive into this though. Cause I could talk about that on its own a lot. I just want to look at the, today I'm looking at that relationship between trauma and attachment. They're two interconnected aspects of the human experience that really shape our lives and all of our future relationships. And so that's important. And as I've, I've mentioned before, we've been talking a lot about trauma. It's any deeply sort of distressing or disturbing event that just completely overwhelms a kiddo's capacity to cope. And, and those traumatic experiences, they can vary widely. And just because one kiddo had a traumatic response to this situation, doesn't mean all kiddos are going to have a traumatic response, right? So everybody is different and it, 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 and it really affects our relationships and our ability to form secure attachments differently. Now, when I look at attachments, it's the fundamental human need that we have to form those sort of deep emotional connections with other people. It gives us a sense of security, a sense of trust, a sense of belonging, 
our attachments really lays down that foundation for future relationships and and our social interactions in the future. And our connections with other people really play a pivotal role in our ability, not only just with, with our relationships, but also our ability to tolerate big emotions, regulate our emotional responses. So it's a huge piece there. And so securely attached kids, they feel this sense of being supported and listened to and understood by somebody else. And that's so fundamental to everybody's well-being. I'm going to go into the different attachment styles next week and talk about you know, how we can work with kiddos depending on their attachment style. So I'll do that next week. Um, I'm going to introduce secure attachments. I've kind of already been talking about that. If you don't know, those are key, really. They serve as the major protective factor against any negative effects of trauma. So trauma can, can disrupt that attachment process in forming secure attachments. It, it, it can affect how kiddos relate to other people and how they can form healthy attachments and relationships in the future throughout the rest of their life. You know, so I think that that's really important. So we, we can see how trauma disrupts that. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that in, the, in a second, but having a strong attachment, even if there is a traumatic response that can have a huge positive influence on traumatic recovery, on emotion regulation, on emotional well-being, just our overall sort of well-being. So we see this reciprocal relationship of how they're both affecting each other. Um, But first, let's just look at how trauma affects attachment and how trauma disrupts that attachment process. So first of all, when we have a traumatic experience, it can really shatter a a kiddo's sense of trust and, and their sense of safety in the world and in their relationships with others, especially when someone that they do trust or should inherently trust, i.e. caregivers, right? Our primary caregiver, if they're not providing security and protection, they're not consistent in their approach, they're not really available for the child when the child really needs them, these kiddos might start to think, well, if you're not going to protect me, who will? And so they might become hypervigilant. That's a a heightened fear response, right? Um, They might have difficulty trusting others, difficulty forming relationships. And when their sense of safety is disrupted, we see a lot of these kiddos needing to exert a high level of control, right? And we'll see those oppositional and sort of defiant behaviors, but it's really, I'm, I'm keeping an emotional distance I, I have trouble expressing any vulnerability. So behavior is way easier. I keep that distance so I can protect myself. Okay. So it's disrupting those relationships, creating that emotional di- distance. So then we see the disruption in the emotion regulation skills. They have a really hard time identifying and expressing what's happening, those emotions effectively. And that's what leads to the emotional dysregulation or behavioral outbursts. We see impulsivity or withdrawal. And so we need to spend a lot of time working on these emotion regulation skills, which I will be talking about in a couple of weeks when I start getting into some of those strategies. Um, They also have trouble establishing boundaries in relationships and even knowing what those even are, right? And so what we end up seeing is a lot of kiddos, especially as they get into adulthood, just going back into these problematic relationships and and they're just sort of refueling this trauma over and over. A lot of these kiddos, they don't have the modeling that they need for emotion regulation in the first place or just nurturing care. And that's where we see a lot of that intergenerational trauma occur. 
occur. And so that's why the co-regulation and our ability to consistently as possible be there for our kiddos is so important. Trauma can really also affect a kiddo's self-identity and their self-worth. A lot of these kiddos internalize these negative beliefs about themselves. They're, they're feeling they're unworthy. They're unworthy of love. They're unworthy of support. We can tell them, you know, and I see this all the time and we see it in movies where kiddos have maybe a neglectful, abusive parent who has their own drug problems, right? And so one parent might be trying to tell them, you know, it's their thing, They've got an issue. It has nothing to do with you, but kids really have this sort of magical self-centered thinking that it really is all about them. And so this negative self-perception can really hinder their ability to form secure attachments because they have this belief that I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy of other people's love. Right. We see immense feelings of guilt and shame. That's that's often sort of this residual effect of trauma. And it often happens when someone freezes and they can't they can't act differently in the moment. Right. They can't avoid getting in trouble themselves or in harm's way themselves, or they didn't go help somebody else, right? And so there's probably already some underlying game and um, game and shield. Um, shame and guilt that made them freeze in the first place. And then it's just perpetuated because they can't do anything in the moment. Even if they want to, they're frozen. That freeze response just kicked in. And we see this all the time where um, a lot of my women who have been sexually assaulted, for example, they just have so much shame and guilt. And I should have done this and I should have done this and I should have done this. Right. And if they have to go to trial, like hearing all these stories about everything that she did wrong. And so we see this and and, and so we see, and even kiddos, they're going to replay the event over and over and over again. Why didn't I do things differently? Why didn't I do this? Why did I do this? And then that shame is just so stifling. It stifles any capacity to experience any other emotion, and it just sucks them into this trauma vortex. So I say that because addressing the shame is really important as well. That's part of the work that we need to do in helping kids. So, you know, that's sometimes a piece that maybe goes missing that we don't necessarily address. The other thing that we have to make sure that we're addressing, kiddos have a hard time um, with just forming and maintaining healthy relationships, right? A lot of them struggle with this, like I said, establishing those boundaries and, and not feeling much trust in their relationships with others. And they'll often engage in those self-sabotaging behaviors that keeps everybody at an arm's length. So they're never really able to make those deep connections with, with anyone, right? So then it makes it impossible to develop any secure attachments, which is a major protective factor and really important in healing when it comes to trauma. And so I see that all the time with our, what I call so-called ODD kiddos, who've actually had a lot of trauma in their lives and their big behaviors mask that underlying trauma. We just see the behavior, right? And so that's why we really need to remember those kiddos with the big behaviors, they need way more patience and love and understanding and gentleness, right? Than, than anybody else. I mean, all kids need that, but especially they need more of these kiddos who it manifest behaviorally, right? We need to make sure we're providing that all the time, regardless of what their behaviors are, because otherwise we're just perpetuating whatever story they've got going on for themselves, right? And the, the beliefs of unworthiness and, and, and um, for, for love. 
and, and those types of things and not being able to trust the relationship. And that point really brings me to a key piece in our work. And, and that's to ensure that we're cultivating secure attachments. We're repairing any attachment wounds to help treat that trauma and heal that trauma. That's the focus here. Those secure and supportive relationships, that plays a crucial role in the healing process for our kiddos, safe and trustworthy connections with caregivers, educators, coaches, any supportive adult that can provide that reparative experience that can help, you know, promote resilience and trust and just developing those secure attachments is important. And that's where we will be going in a couple of weeks. I will be talking specifically around strat strategies around that. Um, depending on where kiddos are at, you know, they might need to work with a trauma-informed practitioner just to help them process that trauma to learn how to regulate their emotions, um, to develop healthier attachment patterns. And oftentimes their family and other people in their lives need to be part of that process as well. Like I said, I will get into ideas on how we can foster that secure attachment. That's really the focus, but I just want to finish off today um, a little bit more about why these attachments are so important, because I think it's easy for us to say, yeah, 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 we know it, but really having a deep understanding. I mean, I could go in for hours deep diving, but I just want want to give us all sort of a level playing field so we understand how important this really is. So those secure attachments, it really helps kiddos develop a sense of that safety, the trust, predictability. And so when they have those, it makes it easier to manage and express their emotions effectively. And so they need to learn to regulate their emotions, to seek comfort from other people when they actually need it, right? Um, and how to cope with challenging situations on their own as well. It's not us always coming in and swooping in to save them. They need to work through some of those uncomfortable feelings and some of that, dis this, that discomfort. Another benefit for that secure attachment fosters is that sense of belonging and validation. I do belong. I am important. My experience is important, right? I am lovable. It's just providing kiddos that evidence that they are valued and accepted and were worthy of love and worthy of care. We need to give them evidence because they don't have evidence and we can't us telling them isn't evidence. Okay. So it's the things that we do. And I'll be talking a lot about the importance of our nonverbal behaviors in our interactions with our kiddos in a couple of weeks. So we are creating a sense of belongingness. That is so important to counteract any of those feelings of isolation and shame that we see in trauma, right? And so we're going to be really promoting healing and self-acceptance, and that's really important. Um, like I said, trauma shatters any trust. It really undermines any sense of security. And so those secure attachment relationships, that's helping kiddos rebuild trust in relationships, right? Because we are providing consistent support, consistent empathy and understanding and unconditional positive regard. And so when kiddos have those secure attachments, they get to experience healthy relational dynamics. Okay, this is what a healthy disagreement looks like. This is what a healthy uh, relationship enjoying each other's company or whatever it is. This is what it looks like, right? And so they're going to gradually start to restore their faith in others, their trust in relationships, their sense of safety in relationships. And as they build that safety in the secure relationships, kiddos can reshape their own mental representations of who they believe themselves to be as well as others, right? And in any relationships, they can reframe their beliefs about 
what trust is, what intimacy is, what vulnerability is, and that I can be safe being vulnerable with others, right? And so that we're starting to slowly create new schemas, replacing any of those negative schemas that they have with more sort of positive and healthy ones. And really importantly, you know, we are looking at, at, at boosting kiddos' resilience. And so that is really important. So I think, you know, today was probably just a basic reminder of how important it attachment is when it comes to trauma. Next week, I'm going to focus on the different attachment styles and things to consider depending on what a kiddo's attachment style is. And it's important for us to know what their attachment style is and for them to know what that attachment style is as well. And then we will go into strategies after that. So thank you for joining me today and I will see you next time.